0: Welcome to Blight Bringers, a Legion of Epis- Everblight-focused podcast. I'm not your host, Tyrone, but joining me this week is Nate. Welcome back, Nate, or should I say welcome back, Tyrone?
1: Welcome back, Tyrone. Uh, good to have you here to lend your, your magically dulcet tones to the episode.
0: You can tell them out of practice because uh, I fumbled the intro. Ah, uh, We're just <laughs>
1: happy you're here.
0: <laughs> oh, I'm, I'm happy to be here. Um, I'm running tech, so I'm yes. not going to chime in,
1: but, uh, Nate, who is your guest today? I was going to say, Tyrone, uh, not only do we have one, but two special guests today. Uh, we are joined today by Eric Ryerson of Privateer Press. Good morning, Eric. Good morning. How's it going? It's going well. It's a great day to talk about Chimera. All righty. So, Eric, why don't we have the people learn a little bit more about you? Uh, Why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself, your background, maybe how you came to gaming, how long you've been with Privateer, and uh, what exactly it is that you do at Privateer.
0: Well, that's How I got into gaming is just a lifetime of being a nerd. I started out in rural Pennsylvania where there were no game stores or people to play with. And then a chance encounter in a bigger city game store, I saw a tabletop game being played. And I was like, whoa, what is that? I started bugging the older kids, like, what they were playing and trying to get information. And it wasn't until, like, I don't know, 10 years later I finally got to commit. But I got into War Machine when it first came out, Mark I, and was just blown away compared to the other games out there. And by chance, years later, I applied when I saw an opening and I needed a job. I got into entry-level resin casting. Then I... Moved on to mold making, and then I started managing mold making, eventually managed the warehouse and all shipping, receiving production, and then expanded from there. And I'm kind of all over the place. Wow.
1: That's, you've, uh, so you've been there for a long time, and it sounds like you've done just about every job there is
0: at a PP. Almost. A little over 12 years now. Wow.
1: Well, we're very glad to have you with us today to talk a little bit about Chimera, Um and you were were you particularly closely involved with the development of this faction?
0: Yes, very much so. I, uh, they were my pitch, essentially, although Matt Wilson had heavy input as well. But like all the models you see are the ones I conceived for the faction.
1: Very cool. Uh, and you mentioned earlier when we were uh, chatting off air, but I figured this is a good thing to to share with the listeners. Uh, you also uh, played Legion of Everblight. Back in the day, oh,
0: absolutely. When they first came That's
1: out, it. wow! I, I've heard, I've heard tales of the Slip Slam days and Four Seraphs with Lilith. One, I think that was about that time.
0: I always felt that people were misreading Slipstream intentionally <laughs> for some of that early stuff.
1: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> right on. Um, so yeah, since you were so closely involved. Uh, with the development, I'm wondering if you'll be able to speak more directly to this. Can you tell us a little bit more about the process of, like, say, uh, we can use Rasik for an example, right? Because we have his rules. Um, How did he go from, like, idea or concept or, like, sketch or vision to release rules and, like, what that development process looks like?
0: Honestly, it's kind of a little bit of a roller coaster where... When you map out the faction, you map out something filling myriad roles. You map out separate casters that fill different niches. And he was never the battle group focus caster. Shearis was always going to be the army box caster. But Rasik was supposed to be generalist beat stick. We definitely wanted someone to be uh, playing forward and very physically oppressive. And if you saw some of the leaked early drafts, it was a little too much so with his feet, so <laughs> we had to pull back a little bit and then sort of redefine his role from there. And he still has some pretty funny shenanigans, such as Last Standing himself. As far as his uh, spell list, uh, he
1: always had ador- Warp. Uh, really enjoying playing him, uh, and I've, I've taken him out for a couple of spins and found uh, he certainly is the beat stick. <laughs>
0: His spell list didn't really change. He was a uh, warpath and flashing blade from the start. Death March definitely uh, helped push the get the mission done at all costs, like, you know, whatever it takes, and it also allowed him to do something to help infantry a little more, even though he does have his battle plans. His feet,, cool. is all light for a feat, as pe- some people notice, but he has such a extensive package already. he didn't need a more robust feat to define him.
1: Indeed. Um, if I can switch gears, but keep it kind of in the same vein of uh, developing the faction, I guess the question I have more is like, what order does that happen? In? Do you come up with the casters first? Do you come up with an idea? Do you build a cell <laughs> rack? Do you come up so, with the concept for the beasts? Like, where, how does it all kind of fit together?
0: So first we think of the faction itself. And like, there's a million factions pitched. And it's like, what fills a niche or a role that we think people would want the most? And, you know, Chimera was chosen from, you know, like six other options at least. And even then, when we knew we wanted a dragon faction, the Saren Raya spinoff was just one of the options then as well. However, it was the one that had the most uh, robust, grounded, and lore foundation. And if we did something else, we'd just be diving into areas that we hadn't really uh, explored too much, but also didn't really attach to any proceeding. And we thought people would have more connection to the Saran Raius story. So once we have like, okay, this is where we're going, we think, what is the faction? What are their goals? How do they function? And we had sort of the blueprint for what will define them. And then you start with the casters and the rack. Um, you say, what, what caster roles do you want? What do you want them to do individually? and then what rack fits the theme and gives them a good spread on abilities. And we tried something a little different with them, as you probably saw, where uh, offensive spells don't always get taken on a rack. Normally they want to be on a caster, but we also didn't want to make different offensive spells for every caster, and we sort of wanted some broad access to some of those tools without requiring their rack slot, and the idea for the Vipex was born. And I really like the Vipics, probably my favorite beast.
1: As as do I. Uh, I recently <laughs> uh, enjoyed popping arcane forces and casting a what thirteen inch bladed Gale in a game the other night. That was pretty sweet. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Not not and the kind of thing you think is initially possible. Yeah.
0: We stuck with the idea that this is Raya's force, and she built it from. Her mind and what she sees as, you know, since she made it without really a lot of outside input, everything's specialty and expertise is going to be adjacent to what she knows and how she approaches things. And we worked within those parameters also just to give the faction more identity. We wanted to stick close to that as well, where when we make the second Chimera faction, we want them to be completely different. So we didn't want to broadly do everything draconic. We wanted to make sure we stuck with her niche and explored that as much as we could. And then when we went on to the second one, we could have a separate niche and everything very themed to that.
1: Yeah. I definitely saw a little bit of the the Raya's theme in Rasik with uh, Flash and Blade, and then his feet sort of mimicking that like riposte ability that she always had. Mm-hmm. So uh, yeah, excellent job with those like little nods back to, to her.
0: Um, and yeah, one thing from day no- one. As we said, this is the dragon faction. Let's give them an eighty millimeter dragon beast. Like let's let's make people know this is the dragon faction. <laughs> and nice, I love the wyvern. It's amazing. I like the way the sculpt came out, and it's fun to play.
1: Yeah, I know Ryan and I had the chance to to grab a peek at it at a WTC. There was uh, one out there on on the table to see that Doug brought, and uh, it's really. Yeah, really, really cool looking. Definitely looks more, uh, I'd say, like more of a like lithe and graceful type of dragon than the the previous Everblight, which I think really always had like kind of chunkier and more menacing looking dragons. So
0: really, really. Cool. Yeah, when we were going with the lithe, graceful, and themed Taryus stuff, and to get further away from other options that will be available down the road when we cross over to the other army we really hit the serpentine element hard so that it would have a strong visual difference and not just be more dragon spawn.
1: Hmm. Okay. That's cool. So I, obviously, I, I don't know if you're able to share any of that with us, but so we're looking forward to, I'm going to guess, uh, dragons with legs in uh, the other half of the faction, but who knows?
0: I won't confirm, but I'll say they probably won't look the same as these. There'll nice. be a strong visual difference between them
2: very, Super very cool. cool, yeah. Also, I'm here now. Hello, uh, sorry I'm late. Uh, Some things got a little weird here, so apologies.
0: Hey, no worries. Nice to meet you, Ryan.
2: Nice to meet you too.
1: Good. All right. Uh, so, Ryan, I know you were curious about Gila, the character Hydra. Do you want to ask our guest about that?
2: Yeah. So, uh, I mean. First of all, uh, super cool design, and from like a sculpting standpoint, I really like how the extra heads are like a back piece rather than an entirely separate sculpt, which is just a neat way to add them in. Uh, but like fluff-wise, where does Skilla fit into everything? Like Ryus obviously made the hydrix as like a hey, we're clearing out this hive and kind of murdering everybody. At what point was like Skilla a thing where it was just like? No, no, we already have hydras, but we're going to need a bigger hydra to just do some of the work for me. And then, like rules wise, what does that look like on the table?
0: Well, that'll be covered in the fluff a little bit, but it is unique from the other hydras more than just its shape. And on the table, it serves as bolstering their forces by being a sort of catalyst for other warlock powers as it's actively, as it kills things, transfiguring them. Into dragon spawn or her style of dragon spawn, chimera specifically, and
2: okay.
0: it's transmuting uh, touch and breath, uh, similar to a couple of other elements in the army. You'll see similar themes of reshaping and turning the enemy into healing or, uh, in Sky- skyla's case, something brand new by adding to units around her.
2: Oh, that's cool. So she's basically carrying, like, the... I don't know how to say it correctly, so I'm just going to go with, like, a Jurassic Park method. She's basically carrying, like, the genome for everything, and it's just yes, like, Hey, the, uh, you know what? We need you right now, so we're going to make you into this. Thank you.
0: A divinely inspired matrix of construction encoded upon her and able to apply it, weaponized creation through destruction.
2: Oh, that's got to be terrifying. Like, imagine being on the other end of that, where it's just like, "Huh, ah, there's this big Hydra we're fighting. Hey, look, Frank just got turned into a lizard person. What is going on right oh, like yeah. now?
0: <laughs> like, Watching your friend melt and then turn into an enemy.
2: Like, oh, that's terrifying. <laughs> oh, that, that is, yeah, that is a particular level of just, oof, that's bad. Um, Okay, so like, uh, I guess from a wider standpoint, uh, what are you most looking forward to? You know, with the Army, what are you most looking forward to seeing people do with it um as like yeah. a designer? honestly,
0: explore, have fun, and make different iterations like uh, I want to see people really try out a lot of different things and different rack options and bring things together differently, and that's possible with the breadth of casters we have and their way their abilities come together.
2: Is there any particular model that you were like, yeah, no, I can't wait to see what people do with like this in particular?
0: I think, <laughs> I think they're all pretty fun to play. Um, I really like the movement aspects of them, and I like how slippery Nixian is as a shadowmancer and entirely an assassin. The way she weaves through the shadows, she has a lot of like uh, extra movement shenanigans going on, and she can be very hard to pin down. At the same time, she's an arcane assassin. She doesn't have a melee or ranged attack. And she has the prey ability to help her with that. So she can really take something out in the back lines. And she is pretty dangerous to your caster. And we've actually had to tone her down in a few different ways to prevent her from being just too assassiny.
2: <laughs> I mean, that's always good. So prey with no melee or ranged attack. Um, from like a design point, how was that to try and do? Because obviously... like. She's only using it for her spells then, uh, so like, what kinds of spells and things were you looking at with her to be like, okay, this is going to be useful regardless of the situation, or maybe maybe not even regardless of the situation, like, this is going to be super useful in some areas, and the rest of the time, maybe it's not as good, because she has to be throwing spells at whatever she prays.
0: Uh, her spells changed a lot. Uh, not all of them, just uh, her offensive ones, because her potential for assassination was very high and didn't allow as much counterplay as we would have liked. So trying to constantly evolve and find the, it can't be too cheap because you don't want her to spam the spell too much, you know, it can't be too strong or too efficient, and trying to find the spell that fit her without being too aggressive or uh, too limiting on the opponent's counterplay. So she's like,
1: not allowed to have like Razor Wind or, you know,
0: Arcane Bolt, but like,
1: keep, you know, POW twelves that go a long way, that sort of thing. I now mean, she, she will have chases though.
0: She has the yeah. Vipex, so
1: Yeah. I was just thinking about that when you mentioned her prey ability and how uh cool it could be to set up uh like heavy trades where being able to prey the opponent's heavy and then uh nail it with a a um a hunter's mark at like a, a pretty I'd imagine like a pretty good I don't know her arc stat, but I'd imagine pretty accurately. With prey added on top of it, and the uh, I don't know, I don't know if there's anything else in faction like telemetry or anything like that, but there is. Sounds... Oh, there you go. Ooh. This is potentially oh, so potential yeah, so plus four. That's if, really
2: if, cool. Yeah, she's going to be able to just pick a thing and nail it. Oof. Especially once you throw okay. in like the cheap fight picks, uh, animai like Chasen or Bladed Gale. Like, yeah. Oh man.
0: And oh, again, man. she's very mobile. So uh, I, I like the image of her slipping through the shadows and unleashing her spells and slipping back through the shadows and just, you know, Oh man, that's so she's,
1: cool. and she's the expansion box caster. Correct. That's correct. Dang. So we're going to, we're going to have to wait a little while to learn more about her, but thank you for, for sharing that, uh, that tidbit.
0: Hey, no problem.
2: Yeah. yeah. That's cool. Um, so, I guess my, my other, or to go on to other questions, um, as far as, like, the Hydrix and Vypix go, um, you know, the Vypix is the first War Beast that has offensive spells as animae, um, how hard was that to, like, design and develop, and, like, what were the thoughts with, like, different anime to give that in particular?
0: Yeah, we definitely started out with, uh, lamer ones <laughs> that we ended up with, um... Where we're, at first, we just didn't know exactly what we were making. We, were try, we knew what we wanted it to do. We wanted a uh, spell battery that offered them to your caster. However, with all the other abilities we had drafted, to give it anything too powerful, would, you know, it would be too much. So we had to start taking things off other models and altering its spells to cover different bases. And mm. so if you wanted a spell, that's the spell. We removed Slipstream from the army for a couple reasons and gave him Hunter's Mark. Or 4-1-out. Good old (laughs) Slipstream. Slipstream defined Legion pretty heavily and we didn't want it to just be the same thing over again. And Hunter's Mark you have to work for more obviously.
2: Yeah. Uh, Was there any... Was there any anima you considered giving it that you were just like, you know what? Nope, this is too strong, and we 100% cannot do this. Like, it was cool to try, but nope. We didn't
0: get any of those. Like, uh, the okay. best one we gave it for how the army would function is Hunter's Mark, and it's something we liked there. We, like, when considering spells, you know, you look at the full breadth of them, but most of them, it's like, it's not even an option, it's not what we're looking for. So you don't consider it or throw it on there to see what happens. The other thing with slipstream no, um, is since it's, it's kind of mandatory once it's in the army, and a mm. serif is very budget for a heavy, whereas we were the thing that makes sense to have slipstream on was the wyvern, right. and we didn't want to make it so cheap that we minimize the you know impressiveness of having this big dragon on the table, but we also didn't want to require huge point investment in order to get something that the faction was designed around, because once you have Slipstream in there, it's going to affect all the design elements. <laughs>
2: right. So,
0: that's why the Vipex ended up with the threat extension and something that yeah. was more balanced and made more sense. Yeah, and the, What is it,
1: a 10-point investment to get a Vipex with Hunter's Mark? That's pretty... Yeah,
0: 10.
1: yeah, pretty affordable. In that sir, army,
0: army threat extension. Yeah.
1: Yeah, that makes sense too. Yeah, in that in that same kind of space, points wise, um, and you mentioned a little bit the the uh, movement shenanigans aspect of uh, is it N- Nixian? Nixon yeah Nixian. Nixian, yeah uh, is that something because we were noticing that uh, elsewhere in the army right with like the blade back on the the hydrix and the, uh, the, you know, the yeah. Head. Yeah,
0: Is almost that, that's everything like a, has some form of it. And...
1: Cool. Okay, is that something that's going to be limited to, like, battle groups, cohort models, casters, or is that something that you no, will? I see mean, it on a lot you know this. Cars. Yeah. Okay. Cool. So we'll like see it on the units and stuff too. That's really
0: cool. basically it's something to add character and flavor to the army as well. Is to make it feel like it's extremely mobile and feel like you have this giant pack of ninjas essentially. <laughs>
2: awesome like i've played a couple smaller games and the image i got in my head head every time was just like a pack of hunting dogs because everything just kept moving around the caster constantly like vipics were always sidestepping hydrics were always just like oh i'm gonna walk forward and just like uh not the the what's it called uh swift huntering around and like everything was constantly just like moving and it was so kind of neat to see uh, yeah like swift huntering and, like,
0: and then war and
2: yeah uh, if that's like a continuation with the rest of the army that's going to be super fun to play on the table because like it's just going to be constantly oh what are your threat ranges like oh that is that's a very wide and open question it depends on a lot of different things
0: cheer the battle box or army box caster rather she uh started off uh offering too much mobility to the army and we had to tone that down <laughs> where there's already so much innate mobility that uh, she had one of those initial drafts where she could give everything a jump in your battle group, but Ooh. it, although it fit what we were going for, uh, it was hard to balance around some of the beasts, and we we're then changing the army to accommodate her feet as opposed to just changing the feet, and mm-hmm. it, it just didn't make sense.
2: So, but she herself. Yeah,
0: currently in the draft of the rules can like move jump throw her kunai and then she can reposition back and she's very fast very you know mobile and that's a fun feeling too of having her just constantly repositioning
2: you know speaking of the army box uh with that coming out in what a month ish um you know that's super exciting i've got like three of them on pre-order because (laughs) units are dope uh, th- like, even just the sculpts, like, we saw a couple of them at WTC and they were just so cool looking. Um, you know, what was, I guess, when you're building like the army box and you're deciding what rule or what models to put in it, is that uh, like a consideration for like what you guys are developing first? Or is it just like, okay, here are the things we're going to make? It then- sets
0: our deadline first for sure. Like, okay. when we had the battle group coming out, <laughs> it's like, we need the Hydrix and Vipex down and we need Rasic down. You know, we we need these guys to have rules so they when the battle box releases, the, people have a reason to buy it. And we really like where we ended up, like 99%. There's going to be a minor change in the next month or so where the two cheap heads on the Hydrix, the block head will go slightly down in power and the other one will go slightly up in power.
2: Oh, that just came out, point,
0: out. But that's Yeah,
2: it. I think that
1: just public The only change yeah. for those... I like I like that change. It felt like uh, it gave you a reason to look at the, the man-catcher head, uh, as opposed to just automatically clicking the buckler button, which seems and at least in people's sure. minds in Mark IV to be the right answer all the time. It's just like, I, I can't have shield because there's no more back arcs.
0: And that was no. just late decisioning coming out into gameplay. Basically, the that head was one point cheaper, the gnashing fangs or whatever, yeah. and it was allowing your builds for Hydrix to be too cheap with two of that head. So then it's like, well, we don't want the build to be this low of a minimum. However, we need to give it more. And that was like the last thing we were deciding on. And then it's just like, you know what? We can tweak it a little more, just incentivize it a little more at its new point cost.
1: Yeah. that's. that's cool. I will say... Oh, Go ahead, Ryan. Yeah, I will say that the thing that I think when we did our Chimera the very first cast after the rules for the battle box dropped, that was something that we noticed that we were really impressed by, was like, you could build, what did we came up with all of these different builds for the Hydrix and the Vipex, and I think we had something at the end of the episode, Ryan, we'd come up with something like eight different beast builds, and like all of them were good, and all of them were like costed really nicely, and that was just so cool to see.
0: I have my favorite builds for the Hydrax, but I reassess it every time I'm building an army. It what feels is? very
2: much like a, you're, you're building your army and going, okay, I definitely know I want you know at least one Hydrax or at least two Hydrax in there. And then you're leaving the points value blank for them to be like, okay, once the rest of the army is built, what do I actually want you to do? Because <laughs> it has so many options that it's just like, okay, do I want it to be just a gun monster? Do I want it to be running up in the midfield and just taking attacks? Do I want it to be, like, actually going and murdering stuff? Like, it. It. every time I build something with it, I'm just like, yeah, this is a cool build. I don't know what the rest of the things around it look like, so I don't know when this is going to be useful. And, like, that is such a cool feeling to have, just like, yeah, I know I'm going to have a heavy or two heavies, but like, what they're doing depends entirely on the rest of the army, instead of just being like, a nope, it's Click the you know shield button, and then this head, and then this head, and go.
0: Right, I, I run in the same thing where I, I'm not committed to necessarily one back option. Since I normally go hybrid melee and range builds, it's like, well, all of these have value. Mm. That's
1: so that's so interesting to hear that you build hybrid. I actually was going to ask you what is your favorite hydrix build because I so, I know I have mine and Ryan has his, but ours are different. Uh, so I'm curious to hear what yours I'm is I'm always
0: reluctant to call things by their official name because it changes so much in development that I'm not sure I have them right in my head but <laughs> the, the AOE primary head the AOE okay. secondary head and the horned piercer secondary head gives you yep. a good gun platform that can melee if it needs to
1: mm-hmm. and so having
0: the yep. boostable AOEs to help weed out infantry and backline models, trigger warpath, etc but then, once things get invested, having the ability to have it commit and take out a heavy. So
1: you have the flame spitter, venom spitter, horned piercer head?
0: Yeah, I'll run that. And I'm not even necessarily committed on a back option for it. Although I like the uh, extra two inches of movement whenever a ranged attack goes. Sometimes I want the wings. It depends yeah. how many points I have and what I'm doing. I generally yeah. don't take overtake unless I have two melee heads, but, you know. Which makes mm. sense. <laughs> yeah. Yeah,
2: that does make sense. One of the builds I got super happy with uh, playing the other day was uh, the flame spitter head, the flame sprayer head, or no, I'm sorry, it was the the oh my god, the the spray mini head, the AOE mini head, and the future sight main head with wings. Ugh. it's like mm-hmm. yeah, this goes everywhere. Like I wherever I want you to go, you're going to be there, and then warpath will get you the extra three inches, and just like it was very interesting to just be like where are your backline models and where are the things that you're trying to protect they're not there anymore go away
0: <laughs> and mm. even like you said, it has wings but if you took the spine back head you'd also have just as much movement options potentially yep and like uh, it's th- tough to make the call like yeah, which yeah, one do i, I want I,
2: to i took the wings because i was like okay i, I want to try them out a little bit i'm used to like you know <laughs> playing val with raven so it was just like okay it's always angels and narrows i'm like i got so used to just yeah, what is what is line of sight and having to worry about where other models are? This isn't a thing we care about. Just don't. No, no they're, like
0: they're both great options. What am uh, I? One thing is choosing.
1: It's such a very Legion uh, player sentiment. Like, what, do I have to obey the rules like some peasant? <laughs>
2: That's true. I, when I started uh, playing in Mark 2, that was one of the first things somebody said, was you picked a faction where you don't have to care about terrain or line-of-sight rules. I'm like, what are those? They're like, yeah, exactly. You've been playing for six months and you didn't even hear those words, so just keep doing what you're doing. I'm like, yeah, awesome. nice.
0: <laughs> Mark 1 ignoring forests and the opponents just, and kiting them around forests with no objectives was just obnoxious. <laughs> but when you're on the side doing it, it's great. It's great fun.
2: Um, so you had brought up You know, the army box, uh, as far as uh, that goes, uh, what was, I guess, the theme for putting everything together there uh, with, you know, the infantry?
0: Um, Basically give you, there's very few ranged options in the army, and there's a lot of melee, but we wanted to cover, like, a breadth of things. So you have the heavy-hitting melee, the tricksy melee, and then some range support whereas the Cinderbacks will have to wait for the expansion. The Shadow Mancers are sort of your mechanic equivalent, your support unit that seems to go in the army boxes for just ease of play.
2: Okay, and, so they're going to be like your condition and heal and something else probably?
0: They're your condition at least. Okay. Um, they offer currently guidance to Ooh. help recreate some of that Legion feel. Who doesn't
2: like Islocyte? <laughs>
0: um That's cool. Then the Scion is their is the solo we put in there. And that's where you get things like telemetry and they're a hybrid melee spellcasting solo.
2: Ah, oh, neat. So um he's gonna be kind of like let's he like a combat solo kind of? Or I more of f- like a support?
0: It's sort of like straddles everything. <laughs> okay. Like in so, a, you can use them for combat, you can use them for offensive spellcasting, you can use them for support each okay, turn so, you have a
2: lot of options so kind of jack of all trades depending on what you need in the moment
0: very much so
2: um was that kind of like a a theme it, it sounds like it was with like the entire army or like the stuff so far is <laughs> Since- it kind of sounds like everything is like okay it can do a little bit of everything what do you need it for in the moment i mean obviously if you know uh i don't know their names the dudes with the big swords i think they're the death dealers Like, Mm -hmm. they probably don't have a ranged attack, so, like, they're just gonna be go beating things. So, like, I don't know how much different stuff they could do, for example, but, like, the little blow dart, uh, single wound infantry guys, or, like, the solos all sound like, yeah, do you need it to go charge a thing? It can do pretty well at that, and better with buffs. Do you need just, like, support and magic stuff? Go do a thing, like, it's fine, you have it covered.
0: Unlike a lot of armies where you recruit what you have and you train what they have you have the concept of rias creating these things that are being extra efficient based on the guidance of the power within it's like she's building things for a specific role and purpose or changing elements as needed because to fill different roles so the idea that things can do a lot of different roles make sense within her function or if things are just the tool for the job, they do the one thing, but they do it well sort of deal.
2: Um So like, how has that worked as far as like development goes, trying to like make things that, okay, they can do a little bit of everything, but they don't kind of overshine any one area.
0: It makes it very malleable. <laughs> it's like, well, what does this guy do that nothing else does? And like the Vipex, you know, can melee, and can do all the cool animi, So it's like, well, why bring the Hydrix? It's like, well, the Hydrix gives you your AoE options on a beast, and it's also can be whatever you want it to be. And then the Wyvern is a little more straightforward in, like, raw number of attacks and support, but not as inexpensive as a Hydrix built for your exact roles, and the Wyvern, do- Wyvern doesn't have a- AoEs either. And so trying to make sure that even if there's overlap, no one's completely stepping on the toes of anyone else. And we've seen a lot of internalists incorporate all three. And that's always nice to see.
2: Um, as far as uh, what's her name? Shivas, the, ba- the army box caster. Um, Shiris. You, know, Shiris? Um, yep. you know, you'd said she kind of like jumps around and has her kunai. Um, is there any like specifics that you can share about her with us?
0: Yeah, her kunai are mostly designed to debuff the target, either through poisons or through her arcane connection of witch marking them. So okay. she can, she targets things for death by hitting them with the kunai. She makes these slows them down or makes things have bonuses against them. And with Hunter's Mark, she can do that as well. So she's not the like assassin killer, she's more straight up battle group or army support but she supports through offensive use of her kunai, which she gets three okay. of per
2: team. Oh, so she's she's ready to fire three? That's cool. Yep.
0: Yeah, she fans them out, you know.
2: <laughs> yeah, Totally just like 80s ninja movie style. Yep, you can
0: imagine yeah. her just run, kunoichi, running, jumping, throwing a fan, tumbling backwards.
2: I'm just picturing this now, and it's like, yep, nope, I can 100% see it, like, I'm imagining her, like, Naruto running into battle, just, like, throwing kunai now, and it's, this is a sight. <laughs> I'm, I appreciate this. <laughs> um, so, like, uh, as far as, like, playstyle goes, uh, you know, if Shiris is kind of, like, the battle group support, and uh, Nixian is, like, spell support, Rasik is, like, your just straight-up brawler, um, it seems like that's kind of, like, a running theme with kind of every faction that's come out so far is like the first caster is your beat-em-up caster, your second one is more of like ranged or kind of stays back, and then the third one is like your spell slinger. Um, Is that been like a a deliberate choice, or is that just kind of like, yeah, it's just worked out this way?
0: What you'll see is we have casters A, B, and C. Mm -hmm. The army box will not only be a scout caster that generally will support the battle group, but they'll also be a safer caster, either doing it from ranged, like almost all of them, or like Athena, where they're simply more defensive-focused. Yeah. And B will be your more tricksy, unusual caster. And C, the one released alone or now in the battle group boxes, will generally be your your straightforward beat stick or something that you can play out of a box and he'll work by himself. Like if you buy a battle box, Hazaroth works with those two jacks just fine. Uh, Rasik, same thing. You have these... Just burly dudes that can just go in there and scrap. And it's, it's sort of the, as we spread them out, trying to find which one's best for each role. We don't specifically make a scrapper, like look at uh, Winter Corps, for instance. She's far from it. But the way she supports her jacks and gallows and arcs through them and stuff, she still is a tight little battle group caster. And we're also exploring options down the road for new products to have easier entry points and maybe even more design them for that exact goal.
2: Cool. Um, So like, when you're building the casters like this, do you take into consideration the future cadre options? Um, Or is that just not even a thought when you're doing these?
0: We don't limit ourselves by the cadre. So the cadre will come after the fact, after we're educated on what we have and fill gaps. We won't say, no, we need to hold that idea for the cadre. Like, because we want the army itself to be the strong offering of the idea and the core concept.
2: Okay. So it's, it really is, you know, this army is first. Then, you know, I'm I'm assuming you have an idea of like kind of what the second one is going to do, or at least maybe an idea of what you want it to do, you know, when you're starting. Yeah, oddly, the
0: the, uh, second one was pitched first.
2: (laughs) Oh, really? And yeah,
0: (laughs) that's cool. They were pitched together, and we chose to go with the other one for launch with the Pirates Ninjas launch of the Warlock Led faction. Oh,
2: okay. So then the, se- the second army was actually pitched first, and everyone went, nah, ninjas and pirates. That's This is the cool thing. We're doing this first.
0: Well, the second one got accepted, or the first pitched one got accepted, but um, it didn't fit as well with uh, the launch. It's something to gotcha.
2: save for later. Yeah. Yeah, cool. Um, let's see, what else do we have here? Uh, you know, as far as the lore goes, um, and this is kind of a- I don't know that you'll necessarily have an answer, but I'm gonna try anyway. Uh, how much does, like, the nature aesthetic of, like, the Cirrus stuff and the Sephlic stuff play into, like, how everything kind of worked out for Shadowflame? Because, like, obviously it's biomechanical Cirrus stuff, but also Raya's just clearing out an entire Sephlic hive by herself because she's a badass, like- she How didn't much did clear out plan? the whole
0: hive, mind you. She cleared out a part of the hive. She has Ooh. yet to ice the bulk of the hive.
2: <laughs> I mean, presumably or, she's going to go through and clear it all out, but that's fair. Yeah. Maybe not. Um, Maybe something's going to happen. I don't know the fluff. <laughs>
0: <laughs> but cephalics are truly raw materials. Now it helps that their flesh is extra reinforced and hardened, and they already use the best metals they can as they try and do their own uh, biomechanical engineering, um, so it was fortuitous that she had very efficient foundation to build from. But it, they aren't in her creations aren't influenced by Cephalix in any way. They're influenced by her learned flesh crafting from serving uh, Everblight, and then her creations are unconsciously molded and modified and made more efficient. By the influence of Sears.
2: Um, like, aesthetically, again, uh, the, the artwork we saw for, like, the Paragon, for example, looked an awful lot like some of the Nephilim. I'm assuming that yeah. was an intentional thing where it was just like, yeah, Ryus is used to building or seeing Nephilim, so, like, she kind of just copied yeah. that over and made it different or better for what she needed.
0: Thagrosh built a sentient race, but then bound them to be no more than beasts. Right, So they were self-aware beings, but they were fully enslaved. That's her sort of emancipation of making free Nephilim, essentially. They they have their own agency. They're not a, a war beast. They're a solo. They're taking the idea and stretching it further, but granting them that liberty that the Nephilim were not granted. She was obviously very close with Zeril yep. and explored and became empathetic to that relationship of this Thinking intelligent thing that was just bound to service helplessly
2: hmm. so i guess as far as like the the connection there goes um why and how do like the soldiers and the war beasts actually like listen and you know if they're not like just straight up bound to be like no no you listen to me now
0: is so- it just like
2: they're conscious enough to be like yeah no you made us so like we're gonna work for you or is there something else going on there
0: it'll be explored and explained more in the upcoming compendium and then obviously emergence part two etc but when they're created they're created from a foundation of her own memories and thoughts so that they're physically functional they're not babies Mm -hmm. however they're they have free will beyond that however with the shared understanding of what their current goals are and on their their grand path, they will be inclined to follow along with their own free will.
2: Okay. So they're they're more looking at it like, yeah, we have the same goals, and you seem to know what you're doing. So lead the way, boss.
0: But it is very confusing when you're created from
2: mixed, you know, con-
0: devoid of context, mesh of memories, and traumatic, probably at first. But
2: yeah, that's got to be a moment starting- of just like. Oh, this is terrible. <laughs> okay. Um, I mean, we've been going. I think about an hour. Um, I don't know how much time you have, but uh, you know. I mean, I
0: reserve the time for whatever you guys want to ask. Oh,
2: okay. Um, so I guess, uh, as a whole, uh, I what sets like a uh, Chimera and Shadow Flame apart from like the other armies is it just like the movement stuff, or is there like more to it that like When you were developing it, you were kind of like, "No, we want to do this to like make this feel like its own thing."
0: Well, movement was just one of the concepts. Obviously, stealth is another one, and sort of uh, finesse and working in tandem and together, so that all the you know, like uh, some factions will be sturdier as an individual. The model Mm -hmm. where all of these sort of overlap and layer with each other and make more out of the sum of their parts.
2: So it's definitely more of a everything working in harmony rather than one thing just kind of goes up and smashes.
0: Right. Not to minimize any of the other army designs. I mean, everything okay. has some semblance of synergy.
2: Yeah. Awesome. I, I guess yeah. I'm just thinking, I'm thinking of it in terms of, like, you know, a K-door jack is gonna, you know, in general, kind of go forward and be beefy and just, like, take a couple hits and then hit back. Like, just in general. Whereas mm-hmm. it seems more like... This is more of a yeah a hydrix can do that but you're also going to have to have something else to like not necessarily help it but like fill in the gaps of like oh yeah it can hit back but it's just not naturally going to na- maybe hit as hard or be as beefy so you're going to want other things to like fill in that gap and to like work with it to really get the job done
0: yeah like the hydrix has the much maligned mat six so you have to help enable it with the other tools in the army if that's a concern as oh, a that friend. makes sense.
2: Um yeah, honestly I think that's everything I had. Um do you have any do, do you have any fun spoilers you feel like giving out to like tease people for the upcoming stuff?
0: I mean, just that you haven't seen it all, you know, there's more coming. Not everything uh has been announced in any way or even accidentally leaked through the app or anything. <laughs> um so there's more to look forward to than just what you've seen. And we're working on the Cadre right now, and I think it'll excite a lot of people offering something a little different, but in line with what people's tastes are if they're already buying into Chimera.
2: Nice. Um, Can you share the name of the Cadre? Nope. (laughs) Nope, nope, Okay, fair enough. Turns out that's a full sentence. (laughs) Okay, well, hey, thank you so much for being here. Uh, Thank you so much for sharing, you know, how, how all of this works with us. And, uh, you know, just coming on to talk. We really appreciate it.
0: Hey, thanks for having me. It was fun.
2: Yeah, no problem. Uh, Sorry I was a little late and Nate had to bail out a little early. So I'm sure he appreciates you being here, too. But uh, that was all for us here at Blightbringers. This should be posted probably later today. Uh, So if you're listening on the 17th of November, then congratulations. You got the same day. Uh, Eric, thank you again for being here. Uh, and we will talk to you guys again soon. Bye, everybody.